Well, I'm glad that you chose to worship with us today. And uh, isn't God good? You guys were like, I don't know if to say amen or all the time. Let's say amen this time. Isn't God good? I, I'm struggling myself. We're glad that you chose to be here today. My name is John. I am I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here at Hallmark. I'm going to invite you to find your way to Psalm 103. And so you may be turning your Bible, you may be on your phone or your iPad, but you may be at home on the couch drinking a nice cup of coffee. Uh, but uh, also, if you are in the room today, as I know Ben already mentioned this, maybe you walked in a little late. If you didn't get one of the communion cups, you might want to sneak out uh, now and grab one and come back. Um, and then we'll all have the, uh, if you remember last time we did these, uh, we have that awkwardness. It reminded me as we all opened up these, you know, there's two uh, pieces of plastic here, one that uh, accesses the bread, then one will open up the juice. And, and when you guys were opening it, it reminded me of being in church when, when we would sneak a piece of candy. You guys remember that, trying to open up the candy? And I, it never failed that my mom, her go-to move, uh, you know, some of you, your dad would like thump you on the back of the head. Uh, my dad couldn't reach us from the stage, but my mom would, would, would get those long fingernails. And she would pinch my leg. You guys, your mom ever do that? And I would yell out, and then I'd get in more trouble. Anyways, I'm, it's a public confession of the Haley household right now, I guess. But Psalm 103 seems to be a response to Psalm 102. Dave, King David authored Psalm 103, and it seems like uh, just naturally that Psalm 102, David is crying out to God, Oh God, would you hear me? And then Psalm 103 seems to be a response of God listening and God hearing and God answering prayer. And so it's just a psalm of blessing. It's a psalm of remembering the goodness of God. And before we get into the passage this morning, I want to just think for a moment about this thought. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you kind of the theme of the message. I would encourage you to write it down or put it on your, in your phone in the notes or just somewhere to remember this. But here's kind of the, the, the whole main theme of the first five verses of Psalm 103. That remembering the goodness of God leads to renewal. Remembering the goodness of God leads to renewal. In other words, it refreshes us. In other words, it brings us, kind of centers us back to who God is and the goodness of God. This week as I looked at Psalm 103 and was, honestly, there's so much in this psalm. And we're just going to focus in on the five verses, the first five verses. And there's so much more in the psalm that you could kind of unpack. But as I was looking at the psalm, it made me think, and this thought came to my mind, this statement that familiarity breeds contempt. How many of you have heard that statement before? Familiarity brings contempt. I'll be completely honest, I've never given it a whole lot of thought, but for some reason as I was uh, digging into this text this morning, that, uh, this week, that kind of thought came to mind. And I began to think, well, I'm not sure, could, could that apply to how familiar I am with Scripture? Some of you, like me, you've, you've grown up in church your entire life and You've heard the Psalms, and even this year, this is the third year in a row that we have p picked like selected Psalms to go through during November. And I think sometimes familiarity can breed contempt. But I, I kind of pushed back on that, thinking, I, I don't know, and, and I actually looked up, what does contempt mean? I have an idea of what I think it means, but what does contempt actually mean? And, and one of the words that describes contempt, it really, if I'm going to be transparent with you today, kind of made me think, no, I... I don't think that I ever have contempt for Scripture. The, the word is this, it is act of despising. 
One of the definitions of contempt is the act of despising. But, but then there's another definition called a lack of respect. So then I started thinking, why am I thinking this? Why am I wrestling with the thought that familiarity, when we come to the psalm that we've read hundreds of times, what I think of this statement? And so I looked up the synonyms of contempt. And two of those words gave me pause, and, and those words are disrespect and disregard. And I think for me personally, that maybe, yes, familiar with the Scriptures has sometimes led me to disregard because it's so familiar, I don't give its proper respect. I, I kind of disregard or I glance over it. It doesn't have an impact. I don't respect or admire it like I should. Familiarity breeds contempt. And I get to explain it really simply. I remember it's almost 28 years, well, 28 years ago now, we were sitting, uh, my soon-to-be wife, Joy, and I were sitting across the desk with Pastor Ken Gilmean, and he's, you know, giving us his wonderful words of wisdom on how we can have a successful marriage. I don't remember a lot about what he said, but I did remember this one statement. This statement he said was that before marriage, opposites attract, and after marriage, opposites attack. And you know what? It's true. She used to think I was funny. Y'all still do. She doesn't. Oh, okay. She's not in here, so I'm going to have a little leeway, but don't tell her I said those things, okay? It's true. Well, maybe I could explain it in a story. So a few years ago, or in the summer of 2019, actually, a few friends and I, we went on a walk. And we walked what was known as the John Murray Trail. Okay, that's the story. Okay, now what I want us to do this morning when we open up Psalm, and we, in a minute I promise we're going to get to it, is I want us to get past the description or the doctrine of it and experience what David wants us to experience in it. Let me retell my story because everything I said about my walk on the John Mayer Trail was completely accurate, gave you a description, but let's move past the description. Let me see if I can allow you to experience it for a moment. The John Mayer Trail that we walked was actually 250 miles long. We averaged about 15 miles a day, and we climbed over and back down a mountain almost every day. 50,000 feet of elevation change. That's 50,000 feet of going up and going back down every day for 17 days. Most of those 17 days, I was sick and couldn't eat. And every day was harder than the next day, seemingly. But on day three, this picture you see here, we, we summited Mount Whitney, which is the tallest peak in the lower 48 states. In fact, if I were to turn around, if I could in the picture over my left shoulder there, you can actually see from the highest point in the lower 48 states, you can see the lowest point in the country as well, Death Valley, from this vantage point. It was spectacular once I got to the top. Of course, then I had to go back down. But you know what day after day 
seeing what I saw, it became monotonous. Every morning, get up at 4.30 in the morning, pack my stuff up, usually freezing, try to filter some water, try to cook some breakfast, try to eat some breakfast. By 6 o'clock, we would all be on the trail walking back up a stupid hill. As I was thinking about this, this, this week, I began looking for the picture you see on the screen of the trail. You realize on my phone and all the pictures that I have of this hike, I did not take one picture of the trail. This picture actually is a screenshot of a video that I was taking to see what you could see from the trail. And what I think about in our Christian life, sometimes the day-to-day, even the showing up to church week after week after week, we forget how good God really is. We have our eyes on the path, and that path doesn't look that inviting, does it? It's all it is is a footpath. It's dirt, it's sand, it's rock, and not all of it looked that good. But when you look up from the path, you see this picture, God's creation. How beautiful. I remember standing at that site, and this is just a picture off my phone. Standing there thinking, wow, God is good. I could show you a bunch of pictures on my phone, but I'm not going to, you know, bore you with all this. I'll, I'll show you one more. This is another picture at Bass Lake. I remember walking down this windy, windy trail into this valley, and all of a sudden, I look to the left, and I see this picture. What I want us to do this morning as we open up God's word is to move past the description, to move beyond the doctrine, and really see and experience how good God really is. You see, what David wants us to understand from these first five verses is that when we remember the goodness of God, it leads us to renewal. Let's look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, we're going to be, begin reading in verse number 1. I'm going to invite you, it'll be on the screen. Would you, would you read it with me this, this morning? I love hearing God's people read God's word together, all right? Psalm 103, verse 1, here we go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God is good and all the time. And David is saying three times in the very first two verses, bless the Lord, O my soul. And and, and do you see what the next word is? And all that is within me. What David wants us to understand is this is an active praise of God that with all of my will, with all of my actions, with all of my emotion, with my mind and my soul, my will, God, I want to praise you because you are good. Bless the Lord, 
all my soul and all that was within me. Bless his holy name. Remember what Pastor Dave said a few weeks ago. And, and when you see the word Lord in all caps, it is speaking of Yahweh, God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And David is saying, bless God, the King of kings, the creator with all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I think this is where I want to land on this morning. This idea of remembering the goodness of God leads us to renewal. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not. And isn't it easy to forget? The older I get, the easier it is to forget. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not its benefits. And then David lists the benefits. Let's just walk through these this morning. Again, I ask you as we walk through these to, to let the page come alive. Don't just take the dirty path. Let's understand the emotion. Let's remember what it was like when these things, these descriptions, these benefits, these blessings of God came to your life. He said, who forgives all your iniquities. I think uh, it was Dave, Pastor Dave, that mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, I think he said the only thing he learned in seminary, it may not be exactly what he said, but the only thing he learned in seminary was that all means all, that's all, all means. Do you guys remember that? Well, what does it say? Forget not his benefits, and the first benefit he mentions, who forgives, what's the next word? All your iniquities. I'm thankful God has forgiven all my sins of the past, the ones I've committed today and will continue to commit today, and tomorrow and the next day. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in him, in Christ, we have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins in Christ. That Christ forgives us of sin. The song we, we sang that we were once far off, we've been brought near. We are now a child of the king. And how is that? It's because God has forgiven me all my iniquities. And then he goes on to say, who heals all our diseases. Now, this is specifically speaking of spiritual disease. It's not speaking of physical disease. Even Jesus, when he walked the earth, he healed a lot of people physically, but he didn't heal everyone physically. Now, I believe that God has the power to forgive, and God has the power to heal physically and spiritually. Do you, do you believe that? I believe that God can heal us physically, and that sometimes he chooses to heal us physically. But what really David is praising God for is that he will and he can heal us spiritually. We are all born into sin, and the disease of sin completely takes over our life. And what David is saying, because of the cross, today we're going to partake of communion. We're going to remember the cross. We're going to remember the shed blood of Christ. And we're going to understand, we're going to be reminded that he forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. You know, a few uh, weeks ago or a month ago, I... I on a Sunday afternoon, I went to the hospital to see Frank Mercer. He was in the hospital with COVID, was not responsive. I went into the room, and I just, um, I had a conversation with Frank. You know what I told him? I said, Frank, 
God's going to heal you. I don't know if it's going to be here or if it's going to be there. But God's going to heal you. I believe that 100%. And guess what? God did heal him. And right now, Frank, he's in the presence of God. And that's what David wants us to understand. Here's the, the, the emotion attached to this doctrine is that God, he heals all diseases. And one day there will be no more tears. One day there will be no more sadness. And we will all, who have given our life to Christ, who have been forgiven of our iniquities, will stand in the presence of God completely healed. Are, are you looking forward to that day? And then he goes on and he says, who redeems your life from destruction. I love that word redeemed. It simply means to, that we were bought back. We just read Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Guess what? In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says the exact same thing. In whom we have redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, because of our sin, our sin, we are separated from God and we have a debt that we cannot pay. But Jesus hung on the cross. He died for our sins to pay our sin debt so that he could purchase us back to God. And it's easy to glance over the scripture and to memorize, oh yes, he forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. Let's be reminded of what that's like, what that means. At the age of 17, at Brownwood Youth Camp, of all places, I finally admitted that I needed Jesus. And at the moment I invited Jesus into my life, he forgave me of all my iniquities. He healed me of my disease of sin. And he redeemed my life from destruction. Isn't that awesome to think about? You, do you remember the day that that happened for you? When in one moment, in one decision, you were declared righteous. And, and, and it goes beyond just the declaration of righteousness. It goes beyond just this declaration of we've redeemed you. Look what the rest of the verse says. Then it says, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's not that God just saved you, which would be enough, but he goes beyond that. He not only gives us mercy, he not only declares us justified and righteous, he not only redeems us, he not only forgives us, but he crowns us. And what this is supposed to symbolize is he has made you a child of the king. This crowning is as if God has marked you. Paul talked about in Ephesians when he said, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit on the day of redemption. At the moment you gave your life to Christ, you have been marked as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, as a son or a daughter of the King. And he gives us loving kindness and tender mercies. Are you thankful for the goodness of God that he's marked you as a child of the king. The scripture would say we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. He crowns us with loving kindness and then he goes on to say who satisfies your mouth with good things. Now, Thursday's coming up quick, isn't it? 
How many of you uh, are uh, excited about Thanksgiving meal? Can I, can I get an amen to Thanksgiving meal? How many of you actually like turkey? Okay, I asked this question in first service, and most everybody, like you, raised your hand, and all it did was prove that I'm the odd man out because I don't like turkey. But you know what I fill up on at Thanksgiving? Everything else. <laughs> but this is not what it's talking about. Okay, he's not talking about just food. Even though we are going to be satisfied um, with good things from our mouth this week. But what is he, what is he referencing? Here, here's what you need to understand. What David is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his, his benefits. And then he lists these things. He he forgives, he heals, he redeems, he marks or he crowns us. He satisfies us. And I think there's a contrast here. The benefits of the world and what this world has to offer will never satisfy us. Only Jesus will satisfy us. Satisfaction, fulfillment, peace, joy, purpose only comes in belonging to Jesus. And then it goes on to say what? So that your youth will be renewed like the eagles. You see, remembering the goodness of God leads us to renewal. My challenge is very simple this morning that we would get our eyes off of the footpath and look up and see the goodness of God to remember how good God is and that's what we're going to do today as we partake of communion I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11 1 Corinthians 11 Paul is writing and in 1 Corinthians 11 Paul is kind of giving the story of what took place when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and that night he would be betrayed. But he lays for, out for us this, what we are about to do this, this morning is to partake of communion, to take of the bread and of the cup. And, and, and what this symbolizes, the bread symbolizes the sinless body of Christ. The cup represents the shed blood of Christ. And, and Paul just kind of gives us some instruction before we partake this morning. Let's read in verse uh, 23 of chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembering the goodness of God leads us to renewal. Verse 25, in the, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, remembering the cross. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So the purpose today, as we partake of the bread and the juice, is to remember. Remember the goodness of God. The psalmist was giving us a picture of what was going to take place. 
that because Jesus would hang on the cross, because he would live a sinless life, because he would be the substitute for our sins, so that he would pay the payment so that he could do all these things that David had just listed, that he can forgive all your iniquities, that he can heal all your diseases, that he could redeem your life from destruction. This is all possible because of Jesus. And that's what we want to remember today. But then Paul gives a warning for us this morning in verse number 27. He says, Therefore, who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, they're sick, and many sleep, die. Paul is saying that we should remember, but there's a process in partaking of this. What is, Paul, what is the warning Paul has given us? And, and, and two, really two things I want you to think about, two questions I want you to answer this morning. The first one is this. Who's supposed to partake of this is, have you given your life to Christ? Does Psalm 103 apply to your life? Can you actually say, yes, God has forgiven me of all my iniquities. Yes, he has healed me of the diseases of sin. Yes, he has redeemed me from the life of destruction. Yes, he has crowned me with love and kindness and tender mercies. Yes, he satisfies me. Have you been redeemed? And maybe this morning you're in the room and you could answer the question, no, I'm not sure, I don't know. Maybe you're online and you'd say, I don't know. Can I just explain to you really quickly what it means, how you can be redeemed, how this psalm could now apply to you that you have been forgiven, that you've been redeemed, that you've been healed? It's simply asking Jesus to forgive you and placing your faith in him. I would ask you this morning if you're in the room or maybe you're watching it online, if you would like to be redeemed, if you would like to be forgiven in this moment, just pray to the Lord. And you may say something like this, Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to be redeemed. I want to be healed. I want to be crowned with your loving kindness and your tender mercies. I want to be saved. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I confess that Jesus is Lord. Would you save me? And, and if you talk to the Lord this morning and you prayed that prayer, can, can I just tell you that this psalm now applies to you, that you have been crowned, you've been marked as a child of the king. And we would love to celebrate that with you. If, if you're online this morning and you want to just text or put it in a text, uh, say to the word new, maybe it's easier for you you're on YouTube or Facebook, just to put in the comments, saved. We would love to celebrate with you. If you're in person this morning, you're in the room and you made that decision, would you also just text the word saved? The second part of the question that I wanted to ask you this morning that as we partake of communion, 
In a moment, we're going to sing a worship song. It's one of my favorite songs, and and Ben and the praise team are going to lead us through that song, and and it simply says how deep the Father's love for us. It's beyond measure. But what Paul is warning us of is those of us who have been redeemed, who have been forgiven, who have been crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies, what Paul is warning us of is that if we are not walking in fellowship with God, then we should not partake of this element. Let me say it this way. If there's unconfessed sin in your life right now, Paul says, don't partake. Because some have partaken in an unworthy manner and have brought sickness and weakness and death. That's what we just read. We want to remember the goodness of God, but we want to do it the right way. I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity right where you're at, in person, online, wherever you might be as you watch this, to talk to God and, and, and to confess. Is there some things in your life, is there some attitudes that you have that you need to confess before you partake?